together we offer our prayers to the Lord. Come Holy Spirit, Lord, we give you permission to do whatever it is you desire to do. Give you permission, Lord, just to speak. We pray that you would make our minds and hearts and souls good fertile soil of the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our lives. Lord, illuminate these scriptures, these great mysteries for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. But today's readings are challenging. I read these and almost every time I read them, they kind of cut me to the heart a little bit. And Why are they challenging? They're challenging because they're one of the passages in scriptures that reminds us that how we treat the poor has eternal consequences. Matthew 25 is kind of that passage that's it most speaks about this, but this passage very kind of clearly, like there's, there's a reality that's a fundamental aspect of our life as disciples of Christ, as followers of the Lord, that is service and love of the poor is, is not a negotiable thing. Now, what I'm not saying and what the Lord is not saying, the scriptures are not saying that good works is how we get to heaven. And he a, a whole lifetime, every day of doing good works can never earn us heaven. It's impossible. Heaven is, is given by grace, by the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and we receive that through faith in him, through participation in the sacraments, through configuring our life to him consistently. It's, it's pure gift that the Lord gives, but our cooperation with that. But part of our cooperation is this Works of charity. That's, that's part of it. St. Uh, James will put it this way in, in his letter. He says, faith without works is dead. Like my heart is not moved with the heart of Christ and by the heart of Christ to love others in that way. Then, then it's not manifesting itself in an authentic way. Pope Benedict is kind of famous for saying that the, there are three general works of the church, right? There are three general works. And he speaks of the church. It's not just like the church out there, like the Catholic Church out there, but like I'm part of that body of Christ. There are three essential things that are, that are part of that, that work of the church. One is the worship of God. We're here tonight to do that. The second is to evangelize to, through our lives and, and through our words, right, to proclaim Christ and to draw other people into relationship with him. And the third is the love of the poor, the service of the poor. That these three things are essential aspects of living as a Catholic, of living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they, they, they need to be integrated into each other. Now, at different points of our lives uh, are different of us, have received different gifts or dispositions that we may emphasize in one part of our life or, or, or throughout our lives of one aspect more than the other. Or, but we have to all do all three of them. And they're an essential aspect of what it means to be, to be a Christian. To love the Lord rightly, as St. John reminds us, that we have to love our brothers and sisters. Like those, Jesus, when he speaks about the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and these two are one. 
He says these two are one thing, same thing. And so as we are, are moving, we look at today's gospel, today's gospel highlights that third one, the love and service of the poor. Again, in a, in a challenging way. So we have the rich man, Lazarus, which is really interesting in this gospel that Jesus names the poor man in this parable, and he doesn't name the rich man. But what's, what's, whose names do we know? We know the names of the rich and famous. You typically don't know the name of the guy laying on the side of the road. So Jesus is giving honor and dignity and value and worth to Lazarus, poor man. You're raising, and we're going to see as we walk through this gospel how important this aspect of it is. So what was the rich man's problem? You know, I mean, again, the rich man ends up in hell, not in heaven, like no bueno, right? Then I could, like what's going on here? It doesn't say he killed anybody. It doesn't say he was a drug dealer. None of those things. What Jesus speaks about is the reality is he just walked by Lazarus every day. Dying sumptuously, had an amazing life. Lazarus was poor and the dogs were licking his sores right at the man's feet. So what was going on here? I mean, what was going on in the rich man? What, what, did, what do you think? We don't know. Like, Jesus doesn't give us any insight into what's going on internally. But, but I want to offer two things for us to think about and, and, and maybe what was going on with the rich man. One could have been like, man, he's just busy, right? How many of us like, oh, like, I would like to do this, I would like to do that, but I'm so busy, so busy, which is true. <laughs> we live in a very busy world. We do. The world moves fast, lots of, th lots of things going on. But do we stop often enough, consistently, to examine, like, of all the busyness that I'm doing, of all the things that I'm running around doing, do I, am I living genuinely these three authentic in, in essential aspects of the church, of me as a disciple of Jesus, the worship of God, evangelization, and the love of the poor. Like, do those have a prominence in my life? Am I, am I living them generously in the midst of the busyness of all the things that I'm doing in my work life and my family life and all these things? And if not, then what are the things that I need to let go of to live this way more? I mean, all of us, like, could be letting go of things that we should never have on our plate anyway, right? Could be letting go of things that are really good, but the Lord is calling us to something better and more essential. We need to consistently be people who are examining that aspect of our life. The second thing is I believe that the rich man never saw Lazarus. He never saw him. You might argue with me, what, what do you mean, Father? Like, he never leave his house? Like, you walk outside, he's, he's right there at his door. I, I think he physically saw him, but he never actually saw Lazarus. Like, he didn't really see him as another human being, as another person worthy of honor and respect and love and dignity. He didn't see him. There was a philosopher uh, who wrote in the, at least this essay in the late 80s, and he wrote saying this, he says, humanity, and particularly uh, us in, in first world countries, in some sense, like, in some sense, we've lost the ability to truly see. This, is, of course, is not physiological sight, like, uh, yes, 
some of us struggle with that reality, but he's not talking about just the, the, the physiological sight. It, it, what he's speaking about is to see things as they truly are, to see the authentic nature of a thing, to be able to look past the merely external things, the things that hit my external senses, and to see with the deeper eyes of the heart and the soul the nature of what the thing is in front of me. And if we think about this as, as people, right, and how important this is, that I'm able to see what is in front of me and I know what it really is so that I can love that thing or, or treat that thing, right, as it deserves to be treated. Now, which is interesting, he says there are a lot of reasons why we've kind of lost this ability. And, and he says, but one is really important that he focused on. He says there are too many things that we see. Like there are too many images. There's too much stuff. We're constantly bombarded by image after image after image after image after image after thing after thing after thing. And we don't spend time in reflection and in prayer and contemplation to think what's beyond that. What's beyond what's merely presenting itself to me as, as an image, the deeper reality. And he says that if we don't exercise this fundamental human capacity to be able to reflect and think more deeply and to see more deeply, then we lose it. It's, it's like a physical muscle. You know, if you stop using your right arm, like go for two weeks and just don't move your right arm. And your muscle's gonna atrophy extremely. You go for a couple of months and you ain't going nowhere. You want to pick it up, it ain't moving. The same thing with these deeper aspects of our soul, the deeper aspects of, of our intellect as well too. If we don't use them, we don't exercise them, then they begin to atrophy. So this ability to see past the surface, we can lose this. Now, he wrote this in the late 80s. His name was Joseph Pieper. He wrote this in the late 80s. No internet, right? I have all these things. There's no smartphone. That constantly I'm looking at something. And I'm constantly stuck on the superficial and not seeing more deeply the very nature of the thing. I mean, if he was alive today, he'd be right and be like, oh my gosh, we are blind. We're blind. Not all of us and always, but, but there is a, a general blindness. And so this is how, when we speak about things a lot of times, we're just on the surface of the issues because we fail to see, be able to know the authentic depth that is there. The rich man never saw Lazarus. Sometimes we fail to love people right in front of us because we don't see them. You might see what they look like externally. You might see, oh, this person's kind of angry or smelly or they have this skin color or whatever these things are, but am I seeing them as another person worthy love and honor and respect and the basic goods of life? Because if I don't see them that way, I'll never treat them that way. It's really, really important for us. And so where do we go from here, right? Where we move from here is kind of sober recognition of this. The Lord's calling us to live and like Again, these eternal consequences of how I love other people, particularly the poor. And so I need to begin more, and all of us need to begin more, of like taking that time for reflection of, and are, is my life manifesting these essential things? Worship of God, evangelization, service of the poor. And then 
spending more time in reflection and prayer and less noise so that I can cultivate this ability to see the very nature of things. To know what's just past the surface that is there so that I can understand it and, and then love rightly and act rightly. And then make decisions off of that, right? And for, for this third thing, the service of the poor, like how am I going to live that in my life? There's a bunch of easy entryways into service of the poor in our community. Missionaries of Charity, their soup kitchen, a battered women's shelter, live to serve. Both of those are right around the corner, like literally right around the corner from us. You have St. Vincent de Paul, Catholic Charities, you name it. So many other organizations here. Uh, that's just really important. What about the people right in front of me? How do I love them right? How, do, how can I see them and love them rightly? Here, too, we have a essential aspect as, as being citizens in a country. We're, like, early voting right now, and voting is going to come up soon. Am I thinking about the things on the ballot? Am I thinking about the things deeply or just looking at the surface? Am I praying through the, the social teaching of the church to understand my responsibility as a Catholic person to manifest that? Am I going by party line? Or am I allowing the gospel, right, and the rich teaching of the church to inform how I vote? how I engage in the political realm. And it's, it's essential that we do that. And not that we're just like, oh, I like this thing, or this is a good thing, or that's there, but it's not, it's not really just about me. Like, when I'm going out there, it's like, am I worshiping the Lord? Am I evangelizing? Am I serving the poor? And how I live this way in my life, every single aspect. If, if you were like, what are you talking about, Father? What are the teachings of the church there? Two places I'm going to just have you to begin. The catechism. There's a whole section of this in the catechism just opening up that aspect of the social teaching of the church of how as Catholics we're called to live that. On our podcast, two, I don't know how long it's been now, two, two and a half years ago, a local theology professor, more theology, Dr. Minor, who's one of our parishioners, he gave a talk on the principles of Catholic social teaching. It is amazing. And it's just kind of scratching the surface, but it's amazing. So if you go on our podcast and like scroll down and find Dr. Minor's talk, it's a great place to start. We have to do this so that we can continue to live this reality the Lord's calling us in an authentic way so that when we meet him, right, face to face, that the Lord will invite us into deep communion with him, not because we're perfect, not because we never sinned, goodness, praise God for his mercy, right, but because we've been convicted by his love by continuing to come and to receive the sacraments, that he's given us his heart, and that these three aspects of the church, the worship of the Lord, Evangelization and here today emphasize the service of the poor is something that has become part of who we are. It's become part of who we are. It's, it's an essential aspect of being an authentic disciple of Christ. So I invite you to pray with this passage this week and, and begin with all of us like taking that time to reflect, taking that time to pray, taking that time to study, that we would see things rightly, see people rightly. As brothers and sisters created in the image and likeness of God so that we can love them rightly.